This is case 56 from the Hacking and Roku. Shinshan's one arrow point smashes three barriers. The pointer. The Buddha's never appeared in the world. There is nothing to be given to people. The patriarch never came from the West. He never passed on that transmission by mind. Since people of these times do not understand, they frantically search outside themselves. They are far from knowing that the one great matter right where they are cannot be grasped even by a thousand sages. Right now, where do seeing and not seeing, hearing and not hearing, speaking and not speaking, knowing and not knowing come from? If you are unable to apprehend clearly, then try to understand inside the cave of entangling vines. To test, I cite this case. Look. The main case. Zen traveler Liang asks Chin Chan, how is it when a single arrowhead smashes three barriers? Shan said, bring out the Lord within the barriers for me to see. Liang said, so then knowing my fault, I must change. And Shan said, why wait any longer? Liang replied, a well-shot arrow doesn't hit anywhere. And he then started to leave. Shan stopped him and said, come here for a minute. Liang turned his head. Shan held him tight and said, leaving aside for the moment a single arrowhead smashing three barriers, let's see you shoot an arrow right now. Liang hesitated. So Shan hit him seven times and said, I'll allow as this fellow will be doubting for 30 more years. The verse. I bring out the Lord within the barriers for you. You disciples who would shoot an arrow, do not be careless. Take an eye and ears go deaf. Let go of an ear and the eyes both go blind. I can admire a single arrow point smashing three barriers. The trail of the arrow is truly clear. You don't see? Zwansha had words for this. A great adept is the primordial ancestor of mind. So, Fall Sishin, Daibosatsu Monastery, up on a mountain, overlooking the lake. What is that? What is this? Beyond what we know, beyond what we see, beyond what we hear, where did we come? Where are we now? 
putting together such an event, as many of you know, requires extensive preparations that involve detailed organization, logistical coordinations between multiple people. And it also requires that each of you make all the necessary arrangements to carve out the time to step away from your everyday engagements and show up. And all these multiple facets pertain to the facts, just to the facts of planning a machine and maintaining it in real time. But is this event just the culmination of extensive planning and the sum of all the factual details? Or is there a depth which the eye cannot see, the ears cannot hear, and the mind cannot comprehend? And the answer to this question, or to answer, to answer this question, we have to go deep, and it can only emerge out of a living experience of your own practice. Who else will answer this? which inevitably involves the way you meet and work through the details of your everyday life. Factual, psychological, emotional, physical, and karmic, all of it must be included if we want to truly penetrate the depth of our existence and dive into such question as, question as what is this? Anything we leave behind will only be a barrier if it's not included. Zen practice speaks of a vast and unbound state of being as our true abode and our own endowment as human beings. But often this is not how we experience our lives. We hear the word vast and we feel small and fearful. We hear the word unbound, yet we feel restricted and hindered by life. We hear the word mastery, yet we often feel enslaved by circumstances and by habitual patterns. And so to explore this issue of misalignment, we ask, what is it? And we get in touch with our state of being. And we examine what's going on. Where am I at? What are the thoughts and emotions floating in my head, my body? What is preventing me from hearing and seeing reality? You came up here as if you were plucked out of the commotion of your everyday life in midstream. You know, all the planning, all the coordination that you had to take care of are all now factually left behind. Factually, you're done. Yet emotionally and psychologically, they seem to have many tentacles 
that followed you up on the mountain and are now vying for your attention. And on top of that, there are the familiar regrets, ancient fears, inadequacies, insecurities, doubts, memories, and endless stream of thoughts and emotions that arise and vanish throughout the day. And they all, of course, seem to be much more prominent while you are in the midst of a silent sashim. There's nowhere to escape, nothing else to do, or nothing to do other than just be here. And adding to this pile of entangling vines, you may also find yourself triggered by something that happens during the sashin, or by being tired, by the tight schedule, by the darkness of night, by not having the option to go to your fridge, open it up and grab a snack or anything else that's going on here. Anything else that's going on here that you resist, that you argue with, you're unwilling to flow with. We may view all this as barriers. It happens to all, but we may think that those are barriers to the deepening of our practice and ultimately obstacles to our realization. And this is precisely the kind of view we need to go beyond, penetrate, or at least be open to the possibility that it may not be more than a well-established assumption we have gotten used to. So observe, while all this is floating around, observe the, the self-talk that keeps feeding the established assumptions. And to penetrate through these barriers and go beyond what appears to be holding us back we need to look at the way barriers become solidified and fixed. The constant process of arising and vanishing of our thoughts and emotions is not in question and often not even a matter of choice. But the question is what binds them together to form a seemingly substantiated structure? Often our unobserved tendency is to attach to what arises in the mind and use it to build a story, like a bricklayer who would build a solid retaining wall, or like taking many beads and stringing them into a fancy necklace. My own necklace, right? My own colors. And the Buddha referred to this, the creation of our as our creation of the elaborate perceptions in which we eventually get trapped. Now, of course, in most cases, it happens behind the scenes. It happens automatically. But we are here to expose this automatic process. We're here to penetrate through and examine what is it really made of As I mentioned in Tasha from a few weeks ago, we cannot practice or awaken vicariously. We cannot do anything vicariously. We need to turn inwardly. 
We need to take the opportunity, muster up the, the courage to face or to even ask the question. Often we don't even think of it as a question. Of course it is so. And of course I am held back by such and such. So just to raise the question, is it so? takes courage. So any realization, any recognition, any work, right? Any realization of unity can only happen through the uniqueness of our individual expression and experience. So in other words, it's not a group effort. The group effort is there to allow for each of us to do the work we can only do alone. We can only look at our own entanglements and work with our own so-called barriers. So we may, we may read about other people's path or realization experiences, and then we may want that. Why would you want to live anybody else's life? And how can you live anybody else's life? You cannot just go to the neighbor and borrow some of their karma or swap. And it won't work. So there is a practice, there is a tradition, there is a structure, and there are teachers. And all of it is there so you can be supported to go beyond and realize on your own, on your own, with everyone. So going beyond the tradition or going beyond what we may think a tradition is, is where this, the point of the discord begins. It says that the Buddha, Buddha's never appeared in the world. Nothing was taught, and Bodhidharma never passed on any transmission. Right? We think we've been entrusted with something precious, and we have been entrusted with something precious. But often it's not what we think it is. Because when we think that we have been entrusted with something precious, it makes it seem as if it is there for me to hold and carry and pass on in a dualistic way. I'm just carrying it. But we can't carry unless we realize that we are what we are carrying in terms of practice, in terms of Dharma, Dharma teaching. We're it. Well, Buddhism 101, you're it, right? That's how it begins. So then looking at that and looking at the way we, the way we see practice, often there is misalignment. Why? Because if I'm it, why don't I feel this way? 
right? Because I think that if I am a Buddha, I'm supposed to feel a certain way all the time. Because we have an assumption that we know what that is, which probably is one of the first assumptions to penetrate through. The famous, if you meet the Buddha, kill the Buddha, right? Well, then what do you think it is? Don't say what you think it is. Whatever you think it is, that's not it. So examine. So right from the beginning of this pointer, it is telling us, it's telling you that if you want to penetrate deeply, you need to stop looking elsewhere. Looking at the tradition is essentially looking at you. Right? As Dogen said, take the backward step that shines and illuminates the source. Don't look there. Look here. Look at the one who is looking. Why I sometimes I tell you when you walk around the hallways or the corridor, the kinhin, don't look around. You look around as if you're a tourist. Oh, this isn't interesting, that's interesting. But then the practice is, is held back. It's not going to go deeper. Because you become interested in stuff. And then the stuff raises associations which just keep you in the same place. Look at you. Keep it together. You have peripheral vision, that's enough. You make a turn, right, in the Kinhin corridor, you're gonna see the lake. You don't have to look at it again. And plus, you're gonna get there again and again, right? Because we keep going around circles. But while we do that, keep deepening your samadhi, keep Tending, caring for your samadhi. Because this is how we get trapped or perpetuate being trapped. Looking around. And that maintains the duality between the one who is looking and what is being seen. The one who is hearing and what is being heard. We want, we don't know that, but we want to maintain that duality because that duality gives you a sense of self. Without that, you die. I hope you do in this session. Because that's the point. To cut that duality between that which is seeing and what is being seen. You take the backward step, not just in your zazen, all the time. And then it says, the pointer says, since people of these times, us in this time, do not understand, they frantically search outside themselves. Right? We become interested in stuff. They are all far away from knowing that the one great matter right where they are cannot be grasped even by a thousand sages. 
what cannot be seen or heard by a thousand sages. Because you cannot hear you. You can only hear what you create of what you're hearing. The same goes for seeing. Right? Think about that, right? You look at something or someone. Right? Are we are you really are we really looking at that person? Right? How quickly? How quickly we are no longer seeing the person, we are seeing what we think or what we believe about this person. Right? And the same for hearing. We're hearing ourselves. We're seeing ourselves. Our, our commentaries. Again and again and again. Right? Which can be a clue. Because if it keeps repeating itself, well... Something's stuck, right? It's like a broken record. Something is stuck, while everything else is not. Everything is moving around me, but this is stuck. I hear the same voices again and again and again, especially in Sashin. Right? You get like, you know, you get the cyclical. Yeah, this thought, can, I thought about it, and maybe a few hours ago, there it is again. There's nothing else going on, so... It just repeats itself. Not very interesting. So how do you experience the practice? Right, We commit to the practice, slack off, and then recommit. Maybe jump around between one tradition to another. We get disciplined and courageous, and then we give in to old habits and fears. And as the pointer says, all of this is happening while we are treading the very path we long for without even knowing that. And it has everything to do with the way we are searching, the way we are looking, the way we interact. So at the beginning, you remember the opening uh, remarks, I mentioned to be intimate with to connect with, to give yourself fully to whatever it is you're doing, to a point of shrinking the gap. So it's not you doing something. There is doing. But there's no one doing it. If there's no one doing it, there's nobody there to comment on it either. There's nobody there to complain about anything. How amazing is that? We can do it for a little while, but then we freak out because we're lost. Who am I? I don't know. So we run back to the habitual. So then it is asking us, the last part of this pointer, right now, and it, this is, these are real questions to work with. It's not just, well, it's a con, I have no idea what that is, and we'll move on to something else. These are real questions we need to examine, even if we don't understand what that means. We still need to sit with it. 
So right now, where do seeing and not seeing, hearing and not hearing, speaking and not speaking, knowing and not knowing come from? Where does it come from? If you're unable to apprehend clearly, then try to understand inside the cave of entangling vines, which is where we find ourselves often. Right? We are surrounded by entangling vines and we encounter them through our six senses naturally. They are entangling vines, but do we have to be entangled? Because it's not the fault of the senses. Right? It doesn't mean, well, this is, this is how my senses work, so that's it. You know, as I said, the six rays never cease to emit the great light to shine the great light. Those senses that seem to be a problem are actually the solution. What seems to be a barrier can be an opportunity. So the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, the gateways to freedom and to entanglement. What makes the difference? How do you use your senses? How much weight do you put on or how much validity do you give to the interpretations that arise when all those senses come together and create in the mind some kind of a, an image, an idea, a conclusion? How seriously you, do you take that is the question. I'm good, I'm bad, I'm this, I'm that, she, he, that, right? So the conclusions naturally arise. The question is, so what? Or maybe now what? Right, all of it is just, it just happens in the background, right? We are, the mind is immersed in automatic process of creating associations, categories, comparisons, judgments. And then, of course, that follows with actions based on those interpretations. And so what happens with this automatic process, to this automatic process, when we arise some level of curiosity and maybe some doubt? What happens when we don't know, when we don't jump into conclusions? about what we see, hear, smell, sense, taste, and think? What if we bring a question after the conclusion? It doesn't make much sense because the conclusion is concluding, right? I'm, I know, I'm done. What if we put the question after the conclusion? So the pointer is asking us, to first acknowledge that there is a strong possibility that our view of ourselves, others, and the environment may be no more than an assumption based on falsehood and the notion of stagnation. The notion of stagnation. Right? Because often we are convinced that what we see, hear, think, feel is, a, is true and correct interpretation of reality. You can adjust position if you need.
<clears throat> then it is asking us to go further, examine further. In other words, to abandon our idea, our idea of a solid ground which we have become conditioned to rely on, and then step into uncharted territories. And in a way, coming up here is, it offers that entry point to uncharted territories. Not so much because of the place, as beautiful as it is, and as serene as it is. No, not so much that, as much as it's an opportunity to not be, so, not be so busy, engage what we engage on a regular basis, and then take the time, devote the time to look inwardly or to raise questions. <clears throat> so what does that mean on a personal level? Right? Feeling sad, lonely, fearful, insecure, we ask. While all this is happening, while we feel this way, we ask, where do these emotions come from? Right? Where are they? What is this? Right? Can I put the, my finger on their exact location? Or I assume, well, it must be from whatever, right? It is this way or that way. Or in the case of a memory or past event, we know that the event is long gone and yet we experience something we call a memory. What, where exactly is that? Where is the memory? Where does it sit? Or is it, does it have a fixed position or location? Does it have an outline or a substance? And it sure does appear this way at first. But if we are willing to take the time, or the backward step, and the time to examine, we may realize that it is no more than a passing cloud in the sky. That may irritate some of you. But this is not to say in any way or suggest that we are to dismiss or suppress feelings, memories, or past events. It's not about that at all. It is only asking us to be open to the possibility that it may not be as solid as it seems. <clears throat> Therefore, it may not have the power to hinder or hold us back. Right? That's the point. It's not forget about it never happened <clears> or <throat> oh, you don't feel this way. You just imagine it. Yeah, we do feel. But is it, again, is it a wall? Is it a barrier? Is the question to examine. I'm not going to tell you it is or not. Because it's not going to do anything. But I will ask you to examine. So in this con today, Zen Master Zen Choi, Zen Traveler Liang is visiting Zen Master Qin Shan and poses a question to him. How is it when a single arrowhead smashes three barriers? And the commentaries about the three barriers vary. And some say it is taken from expedient means created by ancient masters for the purpose of awakening their disciples. 
as in the example of Tosotsu, three, three barriers, he asked his monks to pass through these three questions. Where is your true nature right now? That's one. Two, how do you free yourself from life and death when you are just about to die? And the third one, and after you die, where will you go? After you die, where will you go? Where did you come from? Right? Is another question. Where did you come from? Where did, where did all that come from? Everything that we think is holding us back. Where did it come from? And then there's another one that comes from the Gateless Gate collection. This one's from Gateless Gate. There's another one, uh, also Joshua's three turning words to penetrate. A gold Buddha, he said, does not pass through a furnace. A wood Buddha does not pass through a fire. A mud Buddha does not pass through water. So another three barriers to penetrate. In Tenke's commentary, he says that this can be taken from the Taoist tradition, which sees the three barriers as eyes, ears, and mouth, which is relevant to how we get trapped, right? And then he said there's also the military example of three barriers, the side battle formation, the outside battle formation, and the middle battle formation. And it appears that Liang is using this last example as a metaphor to express his understanding and pose the question. So he says with a single arrowhead and a single shot to cut through all obstacles, whether three, five, or a million, when you cut through and penetrate, there are no obstacles. And with that cutting through, there is the realization from the beginning, there's never been an obstruction. So that's where, that's some background on the question, on the statement. So Qin Shan doesn't seem very impressed by this question, and he says, Bring out the Lord within the barriers for me to see. Never mind that. Bring out the Lord within the barriers. Now there is an immediacy in this request. Right? Right now. Bring out the Lord within the barriers for me to see. Don't talk to me about stuff. Stuff you know, stuff you've heard, stuff you think. Never mind all that. Put it aside. Right? He says, you speak of excellent mastery. Then show me the master. Bring him out. Right now. So Liang responds to that by saying, so then knowing my fault, I must change. It's a Dharma dialogue. So... There is this meeting, merging, flowing, changing. That's his way of meeting what he, what he just heard. So he says, knowing my fault, I must change. Okay, I realize my error and agree to adapt. Now this is a much greater statement 
than the question he came in with. To be able to admit an error, to be willing to change on the spot without holding on to other ideas or former ideas and opinions. It takes a lot of letting go, immediate kind of letting go. And this could be stepping into uncharted territories without dragging in the old self and its baggage. There could be some release in that if we put ourselves in this situation, in this dialogue. Chinchan realizes the opportunity and is demanding of Liang to seize the moment and take charge. And so he responds to what Liang said by saying, why wait any longer? You say you see your error and want to change. Change now. When Liang said, a well-shot error does not hit anywhere. And then he started to leave. It's a good statement, isn't it? It's one of our koans in the miscellaneous koans list, right? A well-shot arrow does not hit anywhere. It's a good statement. But is he quoting that or is he living that is the question. Now, it's, it's worth noting here that <coughs> Qin Shan was a Dharma heir to Dongshan, founder of the Soto school. Liang was a disciple of the Rinzai school. Now, many commentaries view Qin Shan as the one who is on top of this Dharma encounter, but Hakuin and a couple other masters praised Liang as the sharp one. And Yamada Kuhn commented on Hakuin's analysis saying, love is blind. Hakuin was a teacher in the Rinzai tradition. So therefore, love is blind. The important point for us to appreciate here is that they both are showing an excellent ability to move with the changes and they both use this dialogue to sharpen their souls and deepen their understanding. So we need to move with that movement when we hear it, when we read this. Right? So we need to do the same when reading, listening to Tatius, communicate with each other, turn to the Dharma, practice in such a way. As Liang started to walk away, Shan said, Come here a minute. And Liang turned his head. Shan held him tight and said, Leaving aside for the moment single arrowhead smashing three barriers, let's see you shoot an arrow right now. Liang hesitated. So Shan hit him seven times and said, I'll allow as this fellow will be doubting for 30 more years. Sushan presented Liang with an incredible opportunity to take full charge of the moment and express his own shooting of an error. But Liang hesitated. 
And he did not meet the moment with action. How familiar is that to us, right? Life is dynamic, ever-changing. Yet often we meet situations from a fixed position that clashes with, seems to clash with reality because reality doesn't work this way. And we think it should. Because how can that which is fixed merge with that which is dynamic in nature? It's like we operate on a different frequency than reality and we can see how life truly appears or hear how it speaks to us. And so we don't know how to react. We don't know what to turn to to find the answer to a question or a demand. Because we think we have to look for it elsewhere. But we don't know ahead of time. We can't know ahead of time. We can't know anything ahead of time. Because life is not just asking the question. It is also showing the answer. It is showing the answer by showing up. It is showing here's what's going on. And then we look at it and comment. And then get caught up. And then feel held back. But it is giving life. It is actually giving a flow. It is offering nourishment. And a way to carry forward. And yet we hesitate. And we think that we have to feel confident before we can move. But the movement itself is confident giving or verifying. Right? It's not that we have to wait until we feel a certain way about ourselves before we can do something or something different. We can do it now. We can do it today. As long as we don't See what's going on, all the entangling vines, as long as we don't see them as barriers. That's why it says, if you don't understand, then understand, penetrate while in the cave of entangling vines. While in the midst of all this craziness that's going on in the head, right there, wake up. Not after it subsides. Right? Sometimes, you know, people come to Dokusan and they say, well, you know, my mind is going on and on and on and I can't, I can't sit. Right? I can't do zazen. I'm having problem or trouble sitting. Well, who, who says that this is a, is a barrier? This is a problem. This is an issue. If I think zazen is like this, well, then, yes, it's not like this, right? Because I feel this way and my idea of Zazen is like that and there is a clash there. But what if Zazen includes it? Then there's no problem. Then 
and I'm just sitting with it the way it is. Walking with it the way it is. Then maybe I'm not held back. We create dualities. We think, if I'm like this, I'm not like that. I cannot do that, right? So what I was saying, when was I saying? This morning, right? I think. Uh, so swift, right? To be swift, we think that being swift or, or going fast means being uptight or being stressed, right? We associate that with being stressed and uptight. But we can be swift and move immediately and respond immediately while being at ease. And in fact, the more at ease we are, the easier it is for us to move and flow and blend and go with rather than against. Right, so what we did yesterday, we did a little bit of Aikido practice, very basic practice, but then what I was showing with uh, VR body, that if attack comes in, right, so, if you can, the, the sooner you blend with it, the more relaxed you are, and the sooner you blend with it, the easier it becomes to actually merge and flow together. So, here is life, and here are you, right there. And here is the clash, here is the conflict. Blend, blend, merge, agree. Stop arguing. Stop looking at the one who is arguing. And stop feeding the one who is arguing by looking around. Then you see that it's so much easier than we make it. You perceive what's coming, but you cannot perceive it in the head. You cannot, the thinking mind is not fast enough. Because it, and it cannot match the speed of life, reality, of life. Life moves very fast. And we go to the mind to think about it. It gums up the system. It slows us down. Yet when you encounter life with the entire body, with everything you've got, there is wisdom in the body that knows how and what to do. How to do it and what to do it. And the exact timing, that's already built in. Because what we are merging with is what we are already. Because there is no gap. Shinshan once said to a monk, if you enter a battle without courage, courage, you lose confidence at the first engagement. So it takes the courage, right, to, to, or the trust. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out on the go, not ahead of time. Or it will figure itself out. I'm just going to go into it. It's the only way to learn often, right? Theoretically, we can sit and learn. But in real time, it's real time. And we may fall down. We may get bruised and injured. 
We get up and do it again. Verse said, I bring out the Lord within the barriers for you. <clears throat> you disciples who would shoot an arrow, do not be careless. Pay attention. Take an eye and the ears go deaf. Let go of the ear and the eyes both go blind. There's only one road. Advance and you fall into a pit. Retreat and a ferocious tiger will bite your leg. This is a footnote. Advance and you fall into a pit. Retreat and a ferocious tiger will bite your leg. Just this. Don't go forward, don't go back. Only this. This comes with the solution. You look back, there is an issue. You look forward, there are trepidations. Yasudani Rashi, was a teacher in our lineage, said, it is the truly blind, the truly deaf, who is the master within the barriers. The master within the barriers has neither eyes nor ears, but he uses eyes and ears to see and hear with complete freedom. Having no eyes or ears, we know how to use them. Having no hand, we know how to grasp, how to grab things, how to use the hand without being attached to what we hold. He says, after that, no matter how wondrous the things you show him, no matter how, what terrible thing you show him, he does not see it at all. It doesn't bother him. No matter what abstruse philosophy you may expound to him, no matter what unusual doctrine you may preach to him, he doesn't hear a word. He doesn't offer a word of negation. It's not against, not for. He just is. What an incredible state of being, right? Now, we think this is not possible. We think this is beyond our reach. But it's not. It's just that we give so much energy to all the stuff that comes and goes in the mind. We give it so much importance that we don't recognize our true greatness. And we become so reactive so we, what we can do to mitigate that is practice being, resting in being. And I've, I've said that a few times. Rest. Find a way to rest all the time. Not just on the beach putting your feet up. But it's a state of restfulness, even when exerting energy. Right? It's not rest as opposed to being busy. It's an underlying kind of rest that's always there. And from there, yeah, things happen. You know, you're not blind to what's going on. But it's the reactivities that change. We go right, we go left, we go up, we go down, 
It's fine. It's fine. There's nothing here that's not there. Or there that's not here. It's all here. So we can rest in that. So the only way to truly see is to see, <clears throat> is to forget the I when seeing, right? To see and forget the I when seeing. The only way to truly hear is to forget the ear when hearing. When we forget the eye and the, e the ear when we see and hear, we forget who we are. And when we forget who we are, we also release the grasp on our assumptions. And when we function this way, the master within the barriers is brought to life and cuts through the automatic process of interpretations. The verse continues, I can admire a single error point smashing three barriers. The trail of the error is truly clear. You do not see? Zwansha had words for this. Now under that line, Zwansha had words for this. Footnote says, who isn't Zwansha? A great adept is the primordial ancestor of mind. Or a greatly realized person is not a person while taking on the form of a person and allowing the primordial to shine forth. The small eye gets in the way of the primordial. So to honor, and I mentioned that when we started, to honor or to be grateful, right? To show appreciation to everybody that's home, taking care of things while we're here. We have to do that. We have to turn towards the primordial. We have to take this opportunity and, in a way, get out of the way and allow what's already there to shine forth, to go forward, to lead the way. All we need to do is just blend with that. There's already a natural inclination, direction, movement within. It's already there. You know, in Aikido practice, it's, I think it's not so much learning as peeling off. It's not, it's, it's not the skill that you... Yes, there is a skill, skillfulness to that, but it's really letting go of what gets in the way because we already know how to do that because the movements are very natural. They're very flowing and natural. Looking at it from the outside, it's like, wow, this is incredible. But we all have that ability to varying, de varying degrees in terms of the way it looks, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that we have to trust that we have the ability to flow even when we feel stuck. Feeling stuck does not mean we don't have the ability. It means that our view is constrained. So all we have to do is expand, open up. 
But of course, it has to come with, the, with developing and honing the great trust. It's there. I'm just not in touch with it right now. I'm it. I just don't feel this right now. That's all. That's all there is to it. It's not that I'm not it. I'm just disconnected. I feel disconnected from it. When the Buddha was about to die, his disciples were sobbing and he said, he looked at them, he said, what's wrong with you guys? It's never been about me. The Dharma is your light. You are it. Look within, don't look at me, he said. Leave me be. It's time for me to pass. Don't make it about me. I was here for all these years to point you to yourself. Why are you looking at me? And then after he died, all were surrounding his body, Ananda, his cousin, said that he heard the Buddha's voice saying, from beginningless time, I have appeared as thus to save all beings. From beginningless time, you have appeared as thus to save all beings. So the Lord within the barrier, the primordial ancestor of mine, cries, she laughs, she experiences the entire gamut of life as a human being. Who do you think she is? Thank you.